Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Another Film Podcast. My name is Matt. My name is Tierney. And my name is Colin. And y'all, we're in our final round of picks for this year's festival. Uh, what a year it's been. What a, what a full slate of beautiful movies that we watched. Uh, this is my last pick, uh, so uh, in the theme of my particular picks, I'll remind listener that it was uh, anything that I would typically see at the Chicago International Film Festival. And so previous categories include, one, I'm attracted to the lead. B, Wait, which LGBTQ. One was that? that one was uh, Under the Silver Lake with oh. Andrew Garfield. Oh, right, yeah. right, right. right. Wow. Um, <laughs> B, uh, LGBTQ film, which was Pariah. Oh, that shit was so Part good. three, chapter three. Um, wait, what was my third pick? I'm forgetting. I'm pulling up Prisoners? the list right now. Prisoner, well, Prisoners was the last thriller. one, and that was Thriller. So is that it? Is it just four picks? No, so yeah. you had Foreign, Cleo from oh, 5 to 7, Foreign. Right. Oh, that Which was I, is really fun. I'm glad that, that that's the one that we ended on when we just recapped, because <laughs> the final category is what? Is Australian. Which specifically is not, not foreign? <laughs> not foreign. It's not what I would consider foreign. So this is the difference. Foreign language is what I was thinking for. No, I, I knew what seven. you meant, and it is like a clear distinction. Oh, yeah. But I remember when I was looking at, like, when you were like, oh, I put my picks up in the dock. I was like, the yeah. fuck? Yeah. I'm pretty no. sure and we also specific- ribbed him before the first episode. Too. Yeah. Or before Cleo from 5 to 7. Yeah. Also, the idea of like australian specific is very true to my experience with the chicago international film festival because i'd seen the movie red hill there i saw this uh charlotte gainsborough movie the tree um i have uh those are the first two that come to mind but i'm positive i saw more australian movies because weirdly a lot got uh got programmed in the chicago international film festival and actually this movie combines several categories because it's a foreign it's a, language film. It's a foreign film. <laughs> There's a lead that I'm attracted to, i.e. Guy Pierce. Uh, it is an LGBTQ film. And is not, Maybe, not a thriller. It is not a thriller. But is it thrilling? You better fucking believe it. It's <laughs> thrilling. Is it? Um, well, we're going to talk about that, I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, the movie that I picked for this week is The Adventures of Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, uh, a 1995 Australian film starring Terrence Stamp, Guy Pierce, uh, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving. <laughs> right, How did I, you blank on that I, one? He's the lead. Uh, Hugo Weaving. And I think that's it. I don't think there's any other names that I knew of, at least, yeah. uh, from this movie, um, which I also think is a part of its charm. So... Um, my particular history with this movie, I only watched it in maybe 2020. It was definitely during the pandemic, and I watched it with uh, a friend of the pod and contributor, Hannah Withers, um, and uh, her now husband, Jeff. We watched it. I think we actually went to a drive-in. Uh, it was oh, like one of the pop-up fun. drive-ins <clears throat> that they had done in like a parking lot near the, the riverfront of Portland, and... Really liked it then. Thought it was, it like tackled a lot of topics that are, uh, you know, for good and bad, I think still relevant today. 
and did it with a lot of heart and a lot of uh, like uniqueness. Uh, I also saw this again in theaters uh, a couple weeks ago at the New Bev. They did a double feature of Priscilla, the Queen of the Desert, and Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar. And I will share my thoughts on comparing those two films uh, the later we get into this podcast. But what I will say <laughs> is that this movie is the superior movie, hands down. This movie is good. <laughs> is good. And that movie is trying its best. But like this movie, I think, is actually like authentically about <clears throat> drag performers. Like I think you really get a sense of what life as a drag performer, particularly, like, specifically in Australia, but I think just in general, of, like, what are the relationships between friends? What are the kind of, like, hustling things that they have to do to find, uh, you know, shows to do? What are the kind of, like, little riffs that they, or, like, tiffs that they get in? Um, I think this one captures that a lot better than Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, where they stay in drag the entire movie, when they're going to bed, as soon as they wake up, they're fully in drag. And it's like, and it would be one thing if the characters were not like specifically said to be in drag, that they are in drag and they're just perpetually in drag, which feels strange. Uh, like driving on a road trip in full drag with their wigs getting blown in the wind in this convertible. Anyway, I'm on a real Julie Newmar tangent, but I will say <laughs> this movie felt a lot more authentic to like the actual lives that these characters would live, and um, I'm very excited to talk about it. We'll see if everyone else liked it as much as I did, but I'm hoping that they did, because if you didn't, I think I'll feel very bad for <laughs> saying that. All right, uh, who wants to share the thoughts next? I can go, go. next. Oh. Okay, go for it. Uh, I thought that this was like a really like cute, charming movie. Uh, I did not love this movie. Uh, I'm, here's what I will say. I'm just, like, not that interested in drag, personally. Like, as an art form. Like, I, I appreciate it for what it is, and I'm glad that, like, it exists for people who do enjoy it, but it's just, like, not really something that I'm that interested in. Like, I've tried to watch episodes of Drag Race, and I'm just like, yeah, not for me. Um, and again, it's, like, not a commentary on it as a, a like, a like I said, an art form. It's just like not something that I'm interested in. So I think but you've supported the bands. You've supported all the drag bands that are happening across this country. Yes. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Which we'll also get into later. But um but yeah, so I think that was one of the things that was hard for me to connect to this movie. Um because I mean, like you said, it is like that is what this movie is, and so that's just like something that I'm not personally that interested in. So a lot of that stuff, I was just like, yeah, I, like I get it, but it's just like it, I, it's it was just like, oh, okay, like this is well made, and this is charming, and I like these characters, but it like, I I didn't really sure. connect with it on a deeper level I'll, than I'll, that. So I'll bring you around to it. That's my goal <laughs> with the podcast. I'll, I'll bring you. Around. Okay. <laughs> Especially because I, this is coming from somebody who also, like, loves people that do drag, have seen drag shows, have gone to live drag shows, but it's not something I regularly do. I don't watch any drag race, and it's getting to the point where I've met several groups of people in L.A. now where they're like, and so are you watching drag race? And I was like, no. <laughs> and in fact, I really haven't. And they're like, really? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's just not. And they're like, oh okay 
And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize this was such a fundamental part of the gay experience now. I guess I'll have to tune in in order to participate in my own community. But it's like, I, that's like, that's to show you how like the, the topic of the movie, I think is also something where I was like, oh yeah, sure. Like drag is cool, but I, I'm not like running out to go see it. Uh, and I think this movie kind of won me over, but uh, Tierney. I didn't know if Colin was done. Um, I think, so I, I didn't, had never heard of this movie before and uh, spent a significant part of my teenage years making fun of Hugo Weaving's teeth, specifically from Lord <laughs> <Rude>. of <Rings>. <laughs> <laughs> um, What does teeth ever do to you? Nothing at all. Uh, just being really bored in like seventh grade. I, I but, also feel like they're like weirdly pronounced in Lord of the they Rings. They go... They go out in Lord of the Rings. They don't go out in this one. Like, mm. they go down. His teeth grow down in this. In Lord of the Rings, they grow out. It, yeah, it, I don't know. And even, like, in The Matrix, the other Hugo Weaving joint from that, you know, early 2000s time. Like, I, his teeth never, like, stood out as something that I need to be paying attention to. But for whatever reason, whenever Elrond <laughs> says something, I'm just like, Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> Maybe isn't it crazy? <laughs> isn't it crazy that they were filming Lord of the Rings like a few years after this movie came out? Yeah, when you said 1995, been... I was like, oh, definitely was picturing the <laughs> yeah. 80s. But isn't that nuts? <laughs> but it looks like an 80s movie for sure, though. Like the yeah. quality of the film. So it premiered at Cannes in 1994. So they were probably filming this in 1993. So probably like that's true. Like five to eight years before they started filming Lord of the Rings. But still. Um, Interesting. Right. But anyway, back to my impression uh, before we start going on a Lord of the Rings tangent. Um, I thought it was fun. So I don't have much exposure to drag because like I've been at um, the Green Mill. They do um, paper machete. And there have been some drag mm. performers at that. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm a notorious early bird, so I don't go out to a lot of, like, bars and late night shows and that sort of stuff in general. And I don't like uh, reality television, so I don't mm-hmm. watch a lot of, yeah. or any, I don't watch any I reality really TV. Yeah. I, I don't have the mental patience for it. So I don't have much exposure to it, but I thought that this movie was a delight. And I liked that it, like, it was an integral part of the story, but it wasn't the story itself. The story was about these three people mm-hmm. and, like, drag is the world they live in as opposed to... It was a movie about the people within the world as opposed to the world itself. And mm-hmm. it was, like, I thought it was way more powerful that way. Um, but, yeah, I thought it was... That was lovely. Yay. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a I lot to say, I think, about enjoyed watching, because I've never seen, uh, like, Drag Race or any of the shows, I enjoyed watching them get ready, because yeah. it's not something that I have, like, because if you go to a show, everybody's all dolled up. ready, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and so to watch them get ready was, like, really, I mean, you see stuff on TikTok, but, like, it was fun to, like... I don't know, listen to the banter as they get ready for a show. I thought that was a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> there there was one time where I think it was like one like one of the last sequences when they're all in like the dressing room prior to their first show at the casino. Um, when I think uh Tick's wife comes in and she's like, Alright, that's ten minutes and like one of them only has like half of their 
like makeup applied. I was like, I feel like they're going to need a little more than 10 to finish that up. Yeah, that is true. Um, oh, okay. Well, I'm glad nobody hated it. Because uh, no. I think I was also kind of like, fine. When I, when I watched it the first time, I was like, oh, that was very cute. Yeah. Uh, and the second time around, I was like, oh, this movie's doing a lot more than I think I gave it credit for. Um, and again, I think it's just going to be natural because of the way that I saw this in a double feature, but comparing it to two Wong Fu, which was, it came out the same year that this came out in America. So they, it's another one of those kind of two for movies where people kind of mix them up or thought of them as, as the same thing. Uh, Deep Impact and, and Armageddon. Exactly. Dante's Peak and Bugs. Volcano. Bugs and Bugs, Bu- and oh, Bugs Life and Ants with Z. Uh-huh. Ants with Z. Uh, but this one, I think, accomplishes so much more than Tu Wong Fu does. And, like, is it a better movie? Probably. But is it, like, funnier? Maybe not. But I also don't think Tu Wong Fu is, like, as authentically funny. Like, there were a lot of, just, like, character moments in this that I really appreciated and thought were silly. Particularly Bernadette's relationship with, uh, what is Guy Pierce's character? Oh, um... Oh, well, that's adorable. We gotta talk about yeah, that, but... Adam slash um, Felicia. Yeah. Uh, like, their, they're like, their hatred for each other, <laughs> I think it's very <laughs> funny. And it's like, in Tu Wong Fu, there's like a similar thing between Wesley Snipes' character and John Ogazamo. But the problem is that that one always becomes racial jokes, uh. because mm. that's all that that movie kind of operates in is like the kind of first joke, even if it's like, Oh, I'm sure a drag queen would say that of like going for this kind of like, you know, commentary or like this kind of hot take. But in reality, like watching the movie, I was like, ew, ew, ew. and then, re- and then the whole point of Ju- Tu Wong Fu thinks for everything. Julie Nomar is also like, they end up in a town and the townspeople are kind of like, they act like, the drag queens kind of act like these guardian angels that like help everyone in the town. And so the point of the movie is kind of a different thing. But even in that sense, it felt very like, okay, so you're just using these drag queens to show their positive impact on like rural America, which is also maybe relevant to today. But I think this movie kind of shows the interior life of these particular drag queens and like, each of them has their own very specific arc, including Felicia slash Adam, who, like, doesn't really have much of an arc until the very end, and you kind of understand a little bit more of, like, who who he is and what he's kind of bringing to this uh, situation. So, uh, anyway, yeah, I, I, those are my thoughts, but should we dive in? Or Yeah, quick, quick note for you. Uh, are you familiar with the show We're Here on HBO Max? I'm aware of it. Yeah. I mean, it's literally what you're describing. <laughs> it's like three uh, drag queens who are all on drag race at some point or another, mm-hmm. just like go to small towns and get people to participate in one night only drag shows. So it's like literally the thing that you're saying. <laughs> <It's Yeah>. like... <laughs> right. And like, and that's, uh, there's an importance to that. Like, uh, and even in that movie, uh, it, I don't know. It's like, it's a, just a different goal of, like, when they're getting ready, like, Tierney mentioned it was fun watching them get ready in this movie. When they're getting ready in that movie, it's, like, a a superhero dressing sequence. So it's, like, a a really, like, you know, centered shot of, like, a boot getting zipped up or, like, lipstick going on really, like, uh, glamorously. Mm -hmm. And in this one, the opening shot is, like, 
Hugo Weaving and uh, Guy Pierce performing. And it looks really good, and you kind of get the sense that they're really owning this. And then it immediately, like, spikes down when, like, nobody appreciated it. Like, <laughs> it's like they had no impact. I and that, I think, is, like... did not weird. know that, like, he was lip-syncing. I fully uh. thought he was singing. <laughs> I was like, wow, what? he's got more vocal range than I do. I was like, this is insane. And then later on in the movie, they said lip-syncing, and I was like, Oh, <laughs> I mean, this is not. This is truly not meant to be a knock, but like that's another piece of evidence. Like you're really not. I was gonna say, yeah, that's like, like nobody sings. That's like a like, thing yeah. with, like, isn't that like yeah. part of the lip sync for your life? I was gonna say, like, like, that's like the whole drag race yeah. thing. Is like you get eliminated based on how well you lip sync. Like that's like the yeah, final okay, challenge. So this... so. Drag brunches are just lip syncing, yeah. but it's funny, like. <laughs> It's also funny that you thought that voice was coming from Hugo Weaving's body. It's That's incredible. where I was like, wow. Uh, but I also did make a note. Like, damn, why the... don't people let him sing more often? <laughs> Pretty much. Why didn't Elrond sing? <laughs> but I, uh, Tolkien has I had... so many songs. Why didn't they give one to Elrond? What the fuck? <laughs> Take it away from Pippin and give it to Elrond. Um, I did write down, though, that, like, nothing in addition to like that sequence where you're like wow they're owning this and then it like you're like oh actually the audience doesn't give a shit i would say nothing grounds you in the location more than guy pierce coming on stage and saying well that was a fuck well that was fucking charming you gutless pack of dickheads immediately you're like well i'm in australia yeah <laughs> there's no question yeah. the script is so good it's like, so good they're so funny and it's so naturalistic. Like they're dickheads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I think that's the difference too, is I think just the writing in this is so much significantly better than two. Oh Wong yeah. Fu. Maybe this will be the last thing I say about two. Fu it won't be. Don't make promises. But... It won't be. But <laughs> I think like, I, I just found this to be so funny. And the, I think you're dealing with three incredibly talented history actors who like for Guy Pierce had just kind of started with his career and, like, the level of talent that they bring to this is, like, outstanding. Especially, I think, Terrence Stamp. I, yeah. Who, like, like, talking, we'll definitely deep dive into that character. Maybe that's where we start. Because I think that's one of the most surprising parts of this movie that I remember commenting on as soon as it was done. Was, like, Bernadette's character being a trans woman represented in film. And the fact that, like, dead naming that character is occasionally used for like as a joke but every other character that hears it is like hey don't do that yeah. like mm-hmm. do not call her that name and so like that felt so ahead of its time that in the 90s this was like a, a plot point where if this happened today people would be like oh how relevant how like current to the modern discussion but it was like i thought it was handled really beautifully in many ways uh i think adam being the only one that actually cares to do it is also like a commentary on that particular character and kind of like twinky white skinny gay men in general <laughs> who are like kind of pushing buttons just to push them even he does love to push buttons yeah loves to push buttons like breaking and having the lipstick go across <laughs> Bernadette's <laughs> that was face. so funny uh, <laughs> I but like i thought yeah. <laughs> He's and like, like a little brother that's just so annoying. But also, yeah, you're like, yeah. okay, that was pretty funny, though, but I'm not going to laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's, it's like, 
And I think that's what makes them such good foils for each other, is that, like, Bernadette is very composed and, like, had a career in drag and is, like, you know, an old-time performer. And then there's this new kind of, like, coked-up, <laughs> like, young <laughs> drag queen who's, like, just interested in having fun. But she also, and also, doing she these, also yeah. fights back, though. Like, the scene mm-hmm. where they're getting ready for bed and she's just laying in bed and he's running around outside the bus <laughs> being like, let me in! Good night, Felicia. That was so good. <laughs> yeah. And I also like, I mean, later when Bernadette punches uh, the one dude that's, like, attacking Adam, uh, what is what does she say? There was, there's, it's like a really... I think she was like, well, now you're fucked. Or like, oh man, I gotta look Maybe get fucked? Something like that. Somebody, somebody says something <clears throat> to her, and then the response is to punch him in the face, and then but she walk like, away. Knee him in the balls. Yeah, yeah. She does knee him. Yeah, that's right. Okay, I'm forgetting exactly what happened. <laughs> but she's got a really funny retort uh, after. And I thought it was, I thought... Terrence Stamp really sells this character. You know, I think there's a lot of heart in this movie, but I do think Bernadette is, like, maybe the most mm-hmm. heart. I think eventually when you meet uh, uh, Hugo Weaving's family, like this fam- secret family that he's had on the other side of Australia, mm-hmm. uh, I think then there's, like, a lot of, like, really tender moments that that character has. But overall, I think Bernadette is the one that, like, is given so much to kind of, like... I don't know, where you're surprised by the kind of surprises that she wasn't expecting. Like Bob, where you're like, yeah. oh, who's this new character that we get to hang out with? Um, and he's so sweet. I feel her. like um, Hugo Weaving's character is in between the two of them for most mm-hmm. of the movie. So he's mm-hmm. caught between like the heart and then just like the fun time. And then totally. finds the balance in the end. And it's a delightful little it's a i think it was a great story like uh written well written and the resolution was just like you walked away being like that was a delight yeah Yeah. i i also just the all three of those characters are so well developed like from Mm -hmm. jump um yeah i i agree that i think my favorite character is bernadette i do think that like and i was having a really weird time last night like i know terrence stamp and Malcolm McDowell are two different people, but for some reason they were just like getting crisscrossed in my brain. And so like halfway through the movie, I realized I was like, oh no, I'm actually thinking of the wrong person. <laughs> so Cause I almost texted you guys and they're like, oh cool. Like another, like, you know, we watched Clockwork Orange last year. So we got another one that was like, wait, no, <laughs> wrong, different person. <laughs> anyway, um, I do think the Terrence Stamp, the, the performance that Terrence Stamp gives here, I think was probably the strongest performance. Um, I think like Guy Pierce does a really good job playing that specific character, but like, I think Terrence Stamp has like a whole range of emotions that he plays yeah. throughout the course of the movie um, and crushes every single one of them. And I was like, just so, so happy when like you like you could see that like sparks were kind of flying between Bernadette and Bob, and it was like very cute and sweet. And then like when she decided that she was gonna stay with him, and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. like I'm sad that like these two friends have to say goodbye, but I'm really happy for her. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I was just like, I, I like fully agree. I think it's just so well written. Uh, to your point earlier though, Matt, I was like really not into every single time Adam dead names her. <laughs> I was like, yeah. nah, bro. Like, this did is... he actually ever get it out? I didn't think he ever got it oh, out. Yeah. Oh yeah. Several oh. times you find out the real name yeah. of Bernadette. And like, oh. well, I like as, it. as they're driving away. And it seems like he got, like, oh, the kid yeah. in on it, too. And I was like, yeah, that's really not cool. Like, if you're going to be an asshole, yeah. you're going to be an asshole. But, like, don't get this, like, 10-year-old child to be doing stuff like this. Like, this yeah. is bad. But, like, they're driving away, and they're, like, waving out the back of the window. And they dead name her. And I was like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, and then you, like, get a close-up of her being like, Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, eh, could have done without that particular right. branch and of that's the storyline. Like, <laughs> that particular element feels slightly dated yeah. only in how kind of like how loose they use the fact that they're dead naming her. But I think the fact that other characters are like, hey, don't sure. say that to her is like, oh, that's a really interesting, like mature way to comment on this thing that could be just like this like one off joke that kind of dismisses that idea but also the line that i was talking about is when frank one of the one of bob's friends is like oh come on bernadette come and fuck me that's it come on come and fuck me come on fuck me and then bernadette knees him in the groin and she goes there now you're fucked <laughs> and, like walks away and i was like bernadette's so fucking cool <laughs> she's such a badass um i also love the moment with her and bob when they're sitting out at night uh and everyone is going to bed, and you can tell the tick is like, oh, well, I'm going to go to bed. Do you want to come to bed too, Bernadette? And Bernadette's like, no, I think I'll have another drink here. Would you like to have another drink, Bob? And you're like, oh, this is a whole plan so that they can have some alone time together. Mm -hmm. Uh, That was very cute. Or Bob bring your flowers before their show. (laughs) (laughs) It was so cute. Uh, I liked also when she owned the mullet lady at the bar. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Now listen here, you mullet. <laughs> Why don't you just light your tampon and blow your box apart? Because it's the only thing you're ever going to get, sweetheart. It's the only bang you're ever going to get, sweetheart. And everybody was Amazing. like, yeah! <laughs> I, yeah! That was like, this is one of the best lines ever written. It's so good. Um, I meant to yeah, write it down, but I didn't. I'm, I'm also, I just have the IODB uh, quote page. Yeah. And it's like mostly Bernadette. That's just what this country needs. A cock and a frock on a rock. rock. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also, ABBA being a quintessential part of this movie. The fact that Bernadette's like, and no more fucking ABBA. So my first thought was like, oh my God, how is Tierney going to feel about this movie? So I actually wrote down, I could have easily picked this movie for my category as well because mm-hmm. i thought the soundtrack was great and i would have been amazing soundtrack i would have been sad if we didn't get the abba routine at the end but we still got it so it's okay yeah yeah all was forgiven tierney the... <laughs> <laughs> goes the, from like uh... thinking this movie's a delight but the credits roll with no abba and she's like fuck this movie fuck <laughs> this. um also the the <laughs> when bernadette is looking at the little keepsake that uh, Adam has, and she's like, "Oh, what's this?" And Adam's like, "Oh my god!" Well. And then like talks to this whole story and is like, "And she left me a little prize in the toilet." And then Bernadette just goes, "What are you telling me? <laughs> what exactly are you telling me?" This is an so, turd. Turd. It's an <laughs> turd in a vial, and he's like, "Oh, 
<laughs> She's like, oh, um, I thought that was so funny. Uh, and yeah, I, mean, I don't know. What else do what else uh, do I have in my notes here? Uh, I thought that this truly... was more fairy tale than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm. That was one of my first notes. I did also watch this like the day after we recorded. Yeah, I was gonna say oh, okay. you put this your this was on your letterbox like right quick. I'm like, oh damn. <laughs> yeah, it is like a, a little adventure. Like they really leave their home and travel across the outback. Yeah, so, and which, it's just more of like a once upon a time sort of thing. It it's does really, feel very like fanciful. Love. Yeah, Tick is reunited with his yeah. son. He also Adam like learns. Yeah, I was gonna say he finds. Like some Tarantino sort of like acceptance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, Tyranny's putting Tarantino on notice. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's fun uh, to think. Uh, just randomly popped into my head that uh, this year, this movie came out the same year as Pulp Fiction. Oh wow, that's interesting. So, you know, I don't really have anything else to say, but okay. uh, just <laughs> what a year, 1994. Um, uh, I thought that uh, uh, I think uh, it's Tick's flip flop outfit is incredible. So <laughs> I don't even remember this. Yeah, what? W- how do you, you not remember, remember it? The flip it's like flip the flop? it's like the it's first town they go into and the entire outfit. Yeah, it's like, so it's like right before uh, Bernadette like takes down that mullet woman in the bar. It's like- the Wait, most notable what? outfit. It's literally movie. just flip flops. Like the entire dress is flip flops, and the earrings are, are flip flops. Like, and I'm pretty sure there's some sort of flip flop happening in the hat that she's wearing. Mm-hmm. It's insane. Also, it's I, also she, she looks would have called so it a thong uncomfortable. Outfit. <laughs> oh my god! I truly didn't even catch. What? I don't. That, that is mind boggling to me. Was. How did you like? That was the first thing I noticed. Because she walks out of the bus, she walks out of Priscilla, and, like, the camera starts at her feet and then, like, pans up, and it's just, like, you're going up her body and you just start seeing a dress made entirely of flip-flops. You're like, wait, what? I mean, yeah, there's several (laughs) versions of the costume that have been remade, pillows and stickers and backpacks of this flip-flop dress, and for some, like... Like, the most iconic outfit from the movie, and Matt's like, what? (laughs) I think I was too focused on the wigs because the wigs are so crazy in that scene too. Is that the is that the scene direction. where uh, Felicia has the like blue like almost plastic yes. looking number? <laughs> like, yeah, look, it looks like the doll from Rugrats. I was gonna say it like, literally looks like it's Cindy. it's a doll, like it's a doll's hair that somehow was made to fit Guy Pierce's head. <laughs> like, so if you just yeah. type in Priscilla flip, Google automatically <laughs> populates to flop dress. Well, that's because I mean, Google's I clearly... listening to you right now, so. Oh. Okay. No, Fun no, no, Fact like Friday. The... I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh. Fun <laughs> Fact Friday uh, on this Mercury Theater Facebook page from 2020 is, did you know that the famous flip-flop dress from the film uh, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert cost only $17 to make and was assembled with material, materials from Target? I mean, I didn't know that, but yeah. But they don't have Target <laughs> yeah. in Australia. Well, then I don't know. And also... Uh, famous flip flop dress. So yeah, I'm I'm the one who is a stupid. <laughs> you yeah, I mean you really you really fucked this one up, Matt. Well, 
that's all for us today. Um, <laughs> no, the outfits were incredible. Also, so, like, I know I, I said I wouldn't, but Tuong Fu, they're in drag the whole time, and they're, like, they have various outfits, but you never kind of see them go in and out of it. Mm-hmm. In this movie, they don't hand, like, the realism of how long it takes to get into drag, particularly the outfits they choose to wear, yeah. um, is, like, not realistic. But at least they're going in and out of it. And I actually wrote down, I appreciated the lack of realism when it came to, like, when they were going to that, uh, like, the gathering of Aboriginal people that are, that, like, invite them in oh. and want them to, like, participate in their fire, which was one of the sweetest scenes in the movie. Uh, but, like, when they decide, like, oh, well, should we put on a show? And then, like, the next moment they're in full regalia and doing the... And they also like, got the, one of the uh, guys. Like, they got yeah. him, like, all dolled up, too. That's what I love, too, because they were like, oh, I can see that, like, he wants to participate. And so they, like, they helped him find his voice. And I mm-hmm. think, like, the suggestion is, too, that, like, you know, just like with some other people, like Bob, like, if you don't have, uh, if you don't see the people that you feel like you're part of uh, very often, this, like, one opportunity of these particular drag queens, um, <clears throat> or, like, two drag queens and a trans woman coming through your town, like, can have a huge effect. And so I feel like that yeah. the, the guy in that scene, like, was able to finally express himself in the way that uh, that he's wanted to. And everyone else cheered and was so kind. And that was also, like, so starkly different from how they were treated in that other town and how they're treated other times throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. But, like, this group in the desert really embraced them and welcomed them and celebrated their talent. And it was really yeah. nice. Um, yeah. I loved that scene. Um, I did too. Yeah. The... Uh, we should talk briefly about Bob's wife. Yeah. Um, very yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. That, was, that is the one aspect of this movie that I remember being like, Ugh. Did not. The first yeah. time. Did not age well. And it's been, yeah. There's a lot of people that have talked about it, uh, you know, now with some time to look back and be like, yeah, that wasn't a great portrayal of an Asian woman. Right. Um, does she have uh, autonomy and agency? Yeah. She certainly does. Uh, like, is she looking out for herself and get gets hers? She sure does. Does she, like... I think the, the thing that was so interesting to also kind of, like, analyze or, like, watch was, like, she thrives by performing for these guys and, like, showing off her talents... And it's, like, her husband that's, like, you're being shameful. Like, get off the stage. Mm-hmm. Where that almost felt like, hey, let her do her thing. Let yeah. her let her show her talents. But I think the mm-hmm. other aspect of it is, like, yeah, this is a pretty reductive, kind of, like, blatantly uh, kind of uh, negative portrayal uh, of an Asian woman. Uh, which was a bummer. I think in an otherwise very kind of, like welcoming and uh, positive, inclusive movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That particular aspect was disappointing. Yeah. 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 And I, the other thing is like everything else about this movie, like you said, is so inclusive. And so it's like, yeah. why, why? Like the, why? it didn't add anything. Like, no, 
Because um, Bob just could have been single. I know. I was going to say, Bob could have right. just been like a single dude who had never found anybody that he connected with. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, like, there are so many different ways that could have happened and where we end up with the same place that we are, like, that we end up right. in the movie. Right. And so, like, the minute sh- she shows up, like, the his wife shows up on screen, I was like, ooh, I don't care for this. And, like, right. the whole time she's in the movie, I'm just like, yeah, this is really not great. Now, yeah, I will say, worse. just, like, purely from a comedic standpoint, like a... Uh, <laughs> When she is kind of, like, decides that she's going to, like, break that chain and she's going to, like, get her tools and she's going to go perform. And she just, like, runs up and just, like, attacks, like, a (laughs) chained, locked thing, like, cupboard with, like, a butter knife. I was like, okay, this is so ridiculous. (laughs) Like, like, that's how she's going to pick this massive lock with a giant chain is with a butter knife. I was like, okay. I thought that was, like, quite humorous, but everything else about the whole character and situation, I was like, eh. And to be honest, if it wasn't an Asian woman, I think it would have had as much comedic value I think more comedic value yeah. than it does now. Because I think now it's like, what is this? What are you saying about this woman? Like, about, right. or about, you know, a, an Asian woman who kind of tricked this guy into marrying her. Or but like, Yeah. Yeah, right. But, but the way that she gets pissed immediately when, like, he doesn't let her do what she wants and is, like, furious and then, yeah, attacks that cabinet. And just ping pong balls pour out. Like, that's how they're stored. It's just loose ping pong balls in this cabinet. And she's like, yes. Like, I thought her performance was really good. Despite how, you know, problematic that that whole, like, character and situation is. But, I mean, she really crushed the performance. Because I think, like, she finds laughs in things other than, like, the easy racial kind of stereotype mm-hmm. that they seem to be lobbying up but like I don't know I thought she did a good job and even when she's like I'm leaving you're like alright what a spitfire you get out of here you find your dreams too <laughs> she's just like the girls like she's yeah. just trying to make it an entertainment do you uh, think she finds her way to Sid- uh, Sydney and they just do like they invite her she gets her own show like she she's the probably. opener for the drag performance I hope so yeah in an ideal world <laughs> yeah it's, I mean, she also serves a purpose of, like, she's the straightest performance that that town wants. Mm-hmm. Like, the drag performance is not what the guys in this town are interested Correct. in. Correct. They're interested in, like, a woman shooting ping pong balls out of her <laughs> vagina. And, like, the, uh, like the, the three main characters absorbing that, I think, is really funny of them just realizing, like, Oh yeah, we were never gonna do well. <laughs> like they are not interested in our in our art. This is what they want, and she really knows how to give it to them. We were never meant to be here. <laughs> so did we all know exactly what was going to happen as soon as the ping pong balls started falling out of the cover? Didn't. Okay, okay. Well, I but, and that, I think that's the problem too. With like that's a super stereotypical yeah thing. Like it's it's. In the same way that I was saying, like, Tu Wong Fu kind of goes for the easy racial jokes. Like, that felt like the easiest, lowbrow, uh, reductive kind of joke you could tell with an Asian character. So, that's unfortunate. But I 
What else do I have on my notes? Well, related to just on the topic of wives, uh, Tick's mm-hmm. wife, marvelous. Incredible. No so, truly one of the best characters. <laughs> I don't have any notes for her. She's great. I don't have any notes for the kid. He's great. She she did a great job raising him. Uh, mm-hmm. I have some notes for uh, Tick. Just <laughs> up and leaving? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, that, not cool. Uh, but also, it's like, it to me, as you're watching the movie, it seems very clear from Jump that, like, his kid's okay with him. And, like, his kid is accepting of who he... Like, the kid is, like, hooting and hollering at the mm-hmm. the drag show. And then yet he still has that whole, like, oh, I'm gonna dress, like, you know, butch. And we're gonna mm-hmm. go into the, the bush. And, you know, I'm gonna, like, act like a man. It's like why are you doing this man like clearly this kid's cool with who you are just like be yourself and start acting like it and so you can have a relationship with your kid yeah. uh, sometimes I think, it's scary for people to be themselves i know i do for myself but I, I, i've I, seen it in other people <laughs> i definitely get that it's just like and, and i understand why his character was so nervous up to that point right but again, for me, well, from the minute you meet the kid, it seems like the kid is like, yeah, this is great. I'm excited to know who my dad is. And then he feels like he still needs to put on an act. And I was like, and I don't. Think, but I think in the same way that I felt like the dead naming uh, element and the uh, kind of the identity around Bernadette's character being key to her arc, I think the internalized homophobia mm. of tick is such an interesting wrinkle to a character that is otherwise leading a pack of queer people in a big flamboyant bus named priscilla across the desert to perform drag and still has a little bit of homophobia about himself that like Mm -hmm. this is the life he leads but like i think that's a very honest portrayal of like as gay as you can be there are times where like it'll be too much for you where you'll be like, oh, but I need to like act a little more straight in this moment. Um, so I think that was, uh, that was a surprising moment. I think especially, I'm surprised by when you're saying like the kid is hooting and hollering at the, at the performance. It felt really that, true to me. Like yeah. Even yeah no. Outside of like a, even outside of um, like a LGBT uh, world, I think that people can accept who other people are but they can't always accept it themselves. For sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it definitely, like, it was well within reality. I was just like, like, me, just, like, as a person, like, hey, you, no, you're good. You keep doing you, man. Like, don't change who you are. It's more like, I want to give Tick a pep talk. And I don't, like, not necessarily, I think that it was, like, the wrong character choice, because I totally agree. you love that about Tick. (laughs) You love it about him. You heard it here first on the pod. And I think that's, like, I think the the reaction that the kid has when he actually sees Tick perform, I think you are expecting Tick to be happy. Yeah. Or to express, like, oh, that's a surprising reaction that I wasn't expecting. And I think in that moment, he's still kind of like, oh, no, why did, like, why did you let him see that? And I think that is a little surprising that, like, at that point, the character isn't more accepting of himself. Or, mm-hmm. or trusting of his son and his wife to, like, not be bigots (laughs) that like you've gone through a whole country of bigots and maybe that's the point too is that like 
he's so used to people being negative about the side of his life or facing so many challenges with it that he almost puts the challenges in front of himself Mm -hmm. uh, instead of acknowledging, like, no, this is a safe place where you could just be yourself with your family that loves you. Uh, But I do love Tick's wife. If we're going to, I think we should talk about Tick's wife and his son. Uh, Because I think Tick's wife, the moment you meet her, you're like, oh my God, this is fresh air. Yeah. Yeah. Full of energy, almost the same way that the EZA parents who are like distinguished Mm -hmm. gold uh, award members of this podcast. uh, (laughs) I think also Tick's wife is like the same level of like, oh my God, I'd watch a whole movie with just you. Like, you're Mm -hmm. so. Full of life and entertaining and fun to be around. Like, mm-hmm. I would love to hang out with this character. And um, the door guy, even, at the casino. Oh, yeah. They're like, oh, they're here! Yeah. I like, think that that is the director unbridled of the movie. Enthusiasm? Really? I think so. The, uh, in, on Wikipedia, it's Stephen Elliott, who's the director, writer-director, is credited in the cast as Doorman. So... Mm. I mean, he's uncredited in the film, but he's listed on Wikipedia as being the doorman, so. Uh, question. Cameo of the director in there. That's fine. Do we, we get a flashback of Bernadette, and we get a flashback of um, Adam, Adam slash Felicia. Do we get one of Tick that I'm not yeah. remembering? What's the Tick the one? The one, the day of his child's birth. Uh, right. Which okay, yeah. It's teased throughout as this kind of like what exactly is going on was like he in drag when somebody died or was but we he don't drag? get him as a kid no no okay correct which the, the flashback for adam was also like a really fun surprising I, yeah i know when it was scene, happening i was like, like oh, oh god <laughs> and <laughs> then for him to really be like like this <laughs> he's like oh i squeeze it right like the, and then you flashback to adam being his little like <laughs> like Pushing people's self. buttons. Yeah. And being like, <laughs> like I didn't, I wasn't abused. I like, I heard him instead. I was like, oh, that's a really fun way to kind of like, yeah. you know, go to one place and then bring the agency back to Adam's character to, uh, to not be the victim in that scene. Um, which I think that's the other element uh, of Adam's arc that I kind of forgot because he doesn't really do much besides being like a kind of like you know little shithead but like that's the fun part and like when he starts getting attacked that's another moment of kind of like oh god like this is yeah this is like a really brutal reality that this character typically like isn't like tonally isn't really part of this but then i think the real moment is when he's talking to tick's son and kind of like realizes oh wait maybe i don't have to be super defensive or try to like you know put a a wall up to be like oh yeah well whatever your little kid brain is gonna say to make fun of us or your dad like i'm already prepared and the fact that the son is like oh yeah i know i know that you guys do drag and i think it's really cool and you see like adam kind of absorb that and be like oh maybe i don't have to be i don't have to fight or be sharp-tongued all the time maybe Mm -hmm it's maybe like this kid actually gets it and I don't have to be my normal kind of like protected self. Um, And that was like a very quick moment that I think really finished Adam's like internal 
change, uh, which yeah. you know, he doesn't learn a lot on this trip, but I think that's the one thing that he does. Um, and then he performs on the bus with the kid, and it's very cute. <laughs> it is. Uh, um, okay, wait, what else? Um, also, this was chosen in place of a long-standing potential choice for the podcast, The Rover, starring Guy Pierce and Robert Pattinson. Oh, I'm sensing a similarity. Ah! It also takes place in the Outback. It also takes place, uh, or it also is uh, primarily focused on a car or vehicle, but it is incredibly bleak and <laughs> very dark so this couldn't be further from yes, that it's, it's a real happy ending <laughs> yeah it's That's full of characters that love each other i had a note that i think i ended up using part of my letterbox review but just that there aren't enough australian comedies that make it across the water because sure. it is such a uniquely like almost bizarre sense of humor it's like a very mm-hmm. unique sense of humor, like in the same way that like, I feel like England has like a very wry or dry sense sure. of humor. Like Australians is like, it's dry, but then also like zany at the same time. And yeah. it is such a delight to watch. And I just feel like not enough. So across. I think you're mostly right in terms of movies, but I do think there's a decent amount of Australian comedy TV shows. Yes. That yeah. do come over. Like, Summer Are High they? High. Oh. Afraid um, is yeah. a Australian. The one that I watched last Kat- year and you guys still haven't watched. Kath and Kim. Kath and Kim's really uh, funny. Yeah. I, know. I I think I like... I mean, I really love the cast of the American version. Like, everybody that was in that version is somebody that I love. But There's I an American the fir- Kath and Kim? Yeah. There sure was. Molly Shannon, Selma Blair, Mikey Day before SNL, and uh, Clark Michael Higgins. Oh. It's great. I mean, they were great. I don't necessarily know if, like, it worked the same as it did there. I think, like, at that point, the mockumentary style had been kind of, like, owned by The Office. And Parks and Rec. Yeah. 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 That, like, Kath and Kim kind of felt, like, a little too not, like, it, it didn't really feel like it was a single camera comedy or a mockumentary. It was just kind of, like, I don't know. But I watched the first couple episodes of the Australian version and was like, I think this is pretty funny. Like, I think these characters, and maybe those actors too, made it funnier. The fact that, like, the mom is basically the same age as the daughter. <laughs> and you're like, is that saying something about the daughter? Or is that saying something about the mom? But anyway, yeah, Kath and Kim, uh, Summer Heights High. Um, Where have you I mean, been, Beach? Where have you been? Where have you bloody been? <laughs> Where have you bloody been? <laughs> Thank God you're here. Thank God and so you're a here. lot of it is just the the accent and some of like the opening line of this movie. I mean, gutless back of dickheads is a funny <laughs> string of words, but there's like just so yeah. many like weird. I feel like weird, like using words like weird and bizarre is coming across as judgmental, but it's more that it's just like so out there in the sense that like in America we get stuck using the same things like fuckhead or asshole mm-hmm. or whatever which actually I saw something that said that asshole is n- not used in the south at all it's like only used in the northeast 
and huh. then Chicago, and then like only in major cities. And I was really? like, interesting. What do they call people? Yeah, <laughs> who are assholes? <laughs> anyway, um, but we get caught in like the same like string of like cadence of speaking, obviously, and then like string of insults. That it's just so it's like a breath of fresh air or like refreshing to be like oh yeah a gutless pack of dickheads is a phenomenal insult to some to, to say to somebody and not one that i would ever think of um it's sort of i think new zealand can be kind of similar as well um but there is a like i feel like new zealand humor is different from australian humor huh. anyway yeah. but the accent does do the accent a lot of it. My, my favorite thing this is a bit of a tangent my favorite thing to see on tiktok is you'll see like um i don't know like an alligator come out of like a huge crocodile come out of like a swamp or like some poisonous snake swimming in the ocean or something else ocean related like basically some like killer animal and then there's one i was watching where a snake came out of someone's car while they were driving and it was just like looking at them through the windshield and all of the comments are always I've was initially shocked until I realized it was Australians. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, they'll be all right. They're right. <laughs> and every single time it's an, like there's one of a guy paddleboarding and some poisonous snakes were swimming by. And he was like, look at this. And I'm like, no one else in the world <laughs> with a different passport would be like. Oh, yeah. there's just a snake coming out of the hood of my car, or a giant crocodile just came out of the swamp. I was gonna say, like the the creatures in Australia are on a totally different level. And yeah, like I us told you guys, there's weaklings a... are just like, oh god, and Australians are like, yeah, fuck it, whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. When we no, went camping, there was a a mayfly. I think is technically the species of insect that was flying at me. But I was, it was the only time in Australia that I was scared of an animal because this was the biggest, I'm not kidding, it was about the size of a half dollar. It was the oh. biggest fly I've ever seen. And I was screaming and uh, my friends were laughing at me. And specifically the fact that I justified my fear by saying it had a beak. <laughs> I swear <laughs> to fuck it had a beak. <laughs> but then any other time. I saw an insect, and I'd be like, well, did it have a beak? <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. She some, also said that... Some insects do look like they have beaks. There's spiders in, their, in her house, and, like, I would lay in bed, and there'd be, like, three spiders above me, and she'd be like, well, the poisonous ones don't go inside. And I'm like, oh, dude, how nice that they have manners. Yeah. And she's like, the, the ones inside are not the poisonous ones. And then... Uh, when I left, she sent me a picture of one that was probably like this big. Again, this is probably about a half dollar for a listener, uh, of a poisonous spider in the bathroom. <laughs> She's oh like, God. this has never happened before. Jesus I was like, I'm glad Christ. I'm not there. <laughs> God. Yeah, no thank <laughs> you. What, no thank you to all of that. The desert. <laughs> Yuck. Um. It, hard, it, it makes you hardy people with hardy senses of humor. Sure. Mm -hmm. To bring us back to Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Uh, so I've never been to Australia, um, but it took them two weeks to get from the coast to 
like the middle of the country. I mean, Australia seems like wild the to me. Size of North America. I know, but I'm just saying, like, really? I, we can drive all the way across North America in less than two weeks. <laughs> well, they yeah. had a lot of stops. I, know? I know they had a I'm just saying, like... I mean, you can you little... drive from San Diego to Chicago in 56 hours. It's just a, person, a question of whether a person it's a healthy could... thing to do. <laughs> a person, you know, some random hypothetical human being could, in theory, drive from <laughs> San Diego to Chicago. Uh, no, I, like, that was one of the things, I, like, as soon as the movie was over, I grabbed my phone and I went on, uh, the old to Google go Maps. To Sydney? <laughs> I was just like, well, because they go to Atlas Springs, which is a real place, apparently. Uh, and it is 29-hour drive. It is a 29-hour drive from Sydney to Atlas Springs. And I was like, okay. Well, is that the final destination? Out. Yeah, Alice, A-L-I, like, Alice Springs. But is that where they... It is dead center. Yeah, is that where they end? Yeah, that was where the the casino was. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm looking it up. Yeah, I don't it believe is, you. I'm looking at Australia now, and just my God, it's just nothing but desert. Yeah, it's nuts. Holy fuck! It's like just a little bit on the coast and a little bit on the other coast, and then a whole lot of don't don't spend time here probably. <laughs> can't spend time yeah. here will die if you if you get stuck in your bus in the middle of nowhere will die yeah when bernadette's my like cut... i'm just gonna go walk until i figure yeah. like until i meet somebody i was like you okay i guess this is the end of bernadette like, but also what a badass that she's like walking and just... then we'll stop and be like just a little bit of water all right here i go and just keeps walking <laughs> oh two things i have two things to say one, uh, I do forget that um, most other countries don't have an interstate system like we have in the United States. I was going to say, I know, oh. that, I know that that's true. And I know that most, from my experience, most other countries don't, like we view road trips, like as Americans, and myself specifically, view road trips through what many other uh, cultures would view as an insane lens. Yeah. Like right. the idea of driving 10 hours and not over three days is like incomprehensible. To That's some actually people. a good point, too. Yeah. It's called the Great American Road Trip for a reason. Like, Ugh. it is funny to have grown up here and it's like, I, my family would take road trips to Disney World. Like, mm-hmm. that was the normal way we would get there. And it was like a 24 hour drive with like breaks and stops. But like, I I think I also remember talking to somebody in Berlin that was like, oh, I drove here from uh, from Paris. And I was like, oh, is that a long drive? And he's like, no, not unless you get stuck in traffic. But like, I'm really looking forward to one day going to America and like driving around and going to national parks and stuff. And I was like, oh, right. That's (laughs) like a thing we have that not everyone has is like a total variety of terrain yeah and an interstate system where you can zip around to all of them and like Uh, but it is so bizarre i mentioned when i was in dublin once that i was like for graduation that my mom and i were gonna go to carry for the weekend for like 36 hours carry is four or five hours away so 36 hour 36 to 48 hour trip to carry in my mind super reasonable and in everybody Ir- else was like, in why Ireland's would you mind, do that for a weekend? 
<laughs> I was like, what? Anyway. Nobody loves their cars as much as we do. Even the fact it's that a they problem. bought a bus <laughs> to go from Sydney to Alice Springs. They bought a bus and fitted it out for a 29-hour drive that took two weeks is like, yeah, they were not going to go do this half-assed. They were like, well, we're going to drive 29 mile, or 29 uh, hours. I guess I we'll they, have to live here for a while. I think they stayed as well in several, like, for several days. I was going to say, they, like... That's true. They, yeah, they definitely, like, made their pit stops. I was just like... I, <laughs> yeah, I get what you're saying. I get it. Well, I, I was also just like, clearly... Like, there were times where they were, like, staying just, like, on the side of the road, and there were times that they were staying in, like, little communities. But I was just like, ugh. It's a lot of nights. <laughs> it looks awful. <laughs> the other thing I was going to say is my cousin uh, is an electrical engineer, and in college, he went to U of I, and they did the solar car challenge, where you build a solar-powered car, and then you race it with other universities around the world. And this particular year, it was in Australia, and they raced through the outback. And I remember asking him afterwards, and was like, what's it like? And he said, nothing, mm-hmm. for as far as you can see. <laughs> and then God. he also said that, uh, so, to, to streamline, like, transportation of goods, so, like, supply chain, essentially, uh, they, he was like, I didn't see a train going from one coast to the other but what they do is they'll have truck trains where you'll have a truck with like several cars and they're just going fast and he's like and you just have to stay out of their way and i was like this sounds like mad max yeah i was gonna say truly (laughs) that's probably where those ideas came of course absolutely (laughs) george miller was like those crazy fucking truck buses, <laughs> truck, truck trains, trains on their way to Bullet Farm, which also one of my notes was just Mad Max. I don't entirely remember in what reference to it, but I think just the general terrain. Yeah, just like at any were. point when they were in the middle of the outback, you were just like, oh, hey. Yeah, it would have been funny if Priscilla crossed paths with uh, Furiosa's truck. And was like, hi, girls! And the girls were like, we're on our way to survival! But that didn't happen, because this movie came out uh, two decades before that. But Um, I mean, they're, like... Yeah, Furiosa as a character didn't exist, but Mad Max existed when this movie came out. Like, there could have been a Mad Max-Priscilla crossover event. And we've been robbed, honestly. Yeah. We should see the Priscilla... There's still time. I think we need to... see the drag queen group in Mad Max, like the group that flourished after the fall of man and is like, we're having parties! Woo! I think we need to tell George, you know, I think you're probably done filming Furiosa at this point, and you're probably in post, but like, just scrap it, start over, and we need you to give us the Priscilla Mad Max yeah. crossover that we've all been waiting for Furiosa our entire in lives flip-flop for. Dress. Yeah. Furiosa is also an incredible drag name. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, speaking also, like, of drag drag names, uh, yeah. Mitzi Del Bra was uh, <laughs> is Tix, and Adams is Felicia Jolly Goodfellow. <laughs> Del Bra, chef, chef's kiss. Excellent work across the board, everyone. <laughs> yeah, I did God. feel like again. I don't know much about 
drag, but I did feel like Hugo Weaving's eyebrows were meant for drag. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it, That's I my amateur think... analysis where I was like, I feel like those are the perfect eyebrows for this line I of work. Do, yeah. I do wonder how much of that had to even be like manicured to look that way but they are perfect drag eyebrows the arch is perfect and then That's in his reality actual like, eyebrow right yeah. like he does have very arched eyebrows um they look like great this. and like they all look great in drag uh the performances i think are like uh like hilariously amateur yeah. it feels like at some points or like they're really putting on a show but it's kind of stiff or like ridiculous i also love that their like final performance was it abba where they were doing mm-hmm. it at alice springs yeah of that it was one song but multiple like outfits and performances yeah. so like they were doing a whole review uh yeah i loved i loved that um and how seriously bernadette takes it bernadette does not smile or like she does not fuck around do a lot there's a lot of like intense glares which is like very funny to see like oh that's bernadette style um Mm -hmm. but yeah it's (laughs) uh mitzi and uh and what is uh felicia's felicia jolly felicia jolly good (laughs) fellow and what's felicia's name (laughs) is that what you're gonna say yeah (laughs) yeah what's felicia's name um yeah uh what else? Oh, how much did Felicia spend on all those rooftop shows? My God. That was one thing where I was just like, what's <laughs> happening? Why Why are it's we doing like, this? It's so insane. It's like the cover of the thing. I know, it's like the, the iconic thing. shot from this movie. And like, spoiler alert it's for crazy. a t-shirt or for a tattoo idea is like, <laughs> that's the answer. But I like, yeah. every time it happened in the movie, I was like, why is this happening? <laughs> what it's is so going outrageous. on? <laughs> just sitting on that chair. <laughs> As the wind billows through the well, longest not, Yeah, like that scarf. chair that's just a gigantic right. stiletto. <laughs> it's like... Oh yeah. my god, of course, yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck is happening? And that they, like, did this all before they left. That they, like, bought the van and then, like, turned it into this thing. Tierney, um, did it... The, the sim, yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say, was, uh, did, did it make you want to go back to being a nomad? A little... Yeah. Now that I finally have a permanent place to live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although the gas, like, that's the other thing, too, is driving that big bus would be exhausting. Yeah. So big. I also uh, related to my earlier comment of them taking forever to do this, like, not that long of a trip. Uh, the first, like, when they first get started, they, like, leave Sydney and there's, like, a shot of one of them driving and the other two just in the background. And then it like cuts to a different shot of a different one driving. They've all like, and so we get three different takes of each one of them driving and the other two doing something in the background. And then in the last one, one of them is like, how long have we been on the road? And the other one's like four and a half hours. Like, <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, in America, guys are like hours. pissing in water bottles yes. so they don't have to pull over. It's like you've the road four the and a half hours and you've already changed drivers three times. Like, four and a half hours happening? for me. I'm telling you, we're yeah. insane here. We are. If I stop for Starbucks within four hours, it would be like, oh, it's because I'm leaving in the morning. Otherwise, it's like four hours. I'm I there. think yeah. if I told my friends from grad school that I 
drove 36 hours in 56 hours, I think that they would die. Yeah. <laughs> I think they would yeah. perish. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> <laughs> cease to exist. <laughs> like, <A block? laughs> um, oh, man. Should I, should I just read some fun? I was going to say, we're, we're running a little long. I don't have anything else to say, long. but if you want to read some. Yeah, we've gone through some, my notes. Do, do a lightning round. Yeah, I also have gone through all of my notes. Um, okay, well, what was the one that I was looking at? Uh, oh, well, so the exact exchange between Benji, Tick's dad, and Felicia that surprises Felicia is when Benji asks, does he have a boyfriend at the moment? And Felicia says, no, no, he doesn't. And then Benji goes, neither does mom. She used to have a girlfriend, but she got over her. You want to come play in my room? I've got Lego. And I was like... <laughs> Yeah. I think I teared up on watching that. I was like, <laughs> it's, <laughs> this movie's aww. about acceptance. It's so and sweet. It's, and I think, like, that is kind of what I wanted to also call out, is, like, in this particular time when we are recording this podcast, there are several currently open bills uh, going to various state legislators to ban drag performances for children or what they call adult cabaret for... That it's, uh, Isn't obscene. an adult cabaret where you put little tassels on your titties? Yeah, and that's what they're chalking up drag to. Yeah. As a way to eventually just what? do it for whatever they decide is not, uh, cons- is not uh, in good taste, in their opinion. Um, but they're saying that, yeah, this drag performances are, like, corrupting kids and putting them in obscene situations and teaching them about sexual things too early. And I think this movie couldn't feel more timely for, like, the kids just like the performance of it. The kids just like how big the art is that goes into it. And this mm-hmm. kid is just like, yeah, I love you. You're my dad. I, like, I, I think it's really cool that you perform this. And, like, I'm happy to, to see you perform. I mean. And I was like, man, this is so appropriate for right now. I, obviously. And even his. It... Go ahead. No, go ahead. I was going to say his wife, um, Tick's wife says something that's like, because Tick's like, isn't it a little young to mm-hmm. be doing it? And she's like, he has all his life to worry about morals. To where the impl or something to that effect, to the implication mm-hmm. is that it's not wrong. It's that he'll get old enough that society will tell him mm-hmm. it's wrong. Mm-hmm. And that's where it's like, yeah. what harm is it actually doing versus, you know, something like guns, uh, killing <laughs> right. people. L- right. LOL. <laughs> this country is so fucked. <laughs> but no, I, like, to your point, Matt, obviously, like, drag is different than an animated movie. But the idea of drag is that everything is heightened, right? Like, everything mm-hmm. is over the top. Like, that's kind it's of the whole point. It's like it's musicals. Like think of every animated movie. No animated movie that like are geared towards children have realistic looking humans. Like all of the humans have super exaggerated features in one way or another. I mean, the the running joke is that like all Pixar moms uh, are very thick. They Um, are, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, like, so like all like all the kids want is something that's just like over the top. And, you know, like, fun yeah. and funny. And so it's like, yeah, shut the fuck up and just let people do this. It's not actually harming anything. Ugh. Also, like, when yeah. you're that young, like, we could probably do a whole debate on this, but when you're that young, yeah. like, 
like gender doesn't really mean anything mm-hmm. to no. you mm-hmm. to where I don't know any boy who didn't try painting their nails at least once and you're yeah. talking to someone who fully ran around without a shirt on for right many years because that's what all the boys were doing yeah. to where it's like it doesn't I feel like by banning it it makes people ashamed of those moments where you are in many ways just exploring what it's like to be like I some of my brothers played dolls with my sister yeah I hated playing dolls but <laughs> like it's I think it's normal to do yeah. that and it's actually yeah. important because it also gives you like empathy and other stuff right yeah um, right and if you don't have that exposure, then you just have no idea what, I don't know. And you don't have right. the experience that they had in the movie at the the bonfire thingo, where Ugh, you yeah. see yourself reflected back um, mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah. Gender is a construct. These kids are not being hurt by understanding that there's a variety of ways to express the way you feel about your gender. Uh, and it's really disappointing and scary and i think this movie is like in way ahead of its time in that sense it's like almost 30 years old and mm-hmm. it's sad that it, it's this like accurate to exactly the conversations that are still having now um which brings me to this other quote which isn't funny but uh, i think was very poignant and again giving credence to Burnett being the heart of the movie is when she's talking to Felicia and she says, it's funny, we sit around uh, we sit around mindlessly slagging off that vile stinkhole of a city, but in its own strange way, it takes care of us. Mm-hmm. I don't know that an ugly wall of suburbia has been put up there to stop them getting in or us getting out. Come on, don't let it drag you down. Let it toughen you up. I can only fight because I've learned to. Being a man one day and a woman the next day isn't an easy thing to do. And it's like, man, it it's so honest and so authentic and it's not going for a joke in that line it's just like this older queer person talking to a younger queer person and being like it's gonna be tough like there's no there's no easy way to live in this world when you're told that the way you are is wrong so like you've got to learn how to fight for yourself um and appreciating these kind of like cities Mm -hmm. that i think were a big conversation piece around our american elections of like those are kind of these like oases in a country that's primarily not urban metropolitan areas with like a wide variety of diversity. It's like a lot of the middle of the country is not that. Um, yeah, but so that's still the minority. Some... Well, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, but like the cities are where people go to be themselves and to free their lives up free uh, your mind and the rest will follow um (laughs) the other funny one was uh bernard talking to tick saying don't darling me darling look at you you've got a face like a cat's arse (laughs) it's very funny (laughs) which again asshole boring cat's arse uh fun fine novel elevated yeah Yeah. (laughs) refined Uh, also, Bernadette's uh, <clears throat> tricks to stealing from the minibar and then just refilling them with tea mm-hmm. and, uh, Incredible. and water. 
genius. Uh, okay, I'm literally just scrolling through the quotes page, but the other one that's great is uh, Felicia walking up at the video store and going, um, do you have the Texas Chainsaw Mascara? <laughs> that was so funny. <laughs> uh, oh, it's so funny. Um, are you... <laughs> yeah, and then just Bernadette's line, what are you telling me? This is an abateur? <laughs> Uh, I think that's all I've got. Tierney, would you uh, wear an abaturd around your no. neck in a little vial? <laughs> no. Are you sure? Yes. Because I have one getting shipped to you <laughs> right now, and I'll be so heartbroken. I don't know why you, you guys don't like ABBA. That's the it's not that like we don't like ABBA. It's just like of, you the, love I was saying, of the three of us, like there's one ABBA I stand, just don't and it's you. I someone could listen to ABBA and not feel good. I mean, I think most people do feel good. Yeah. I just listened to them the other day, and I was walking around just, like, bopping my head. I also will just feel like, gimme, 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 I also just like will forever associate you with ABBA because the time Mama you and I Mia. went to Mamma Mia 2 together <laughs> just had a, the time of our lives at a pretty shitty movie. I should watch Mamma Mia again. <laughs> I love Mamma Mia. It's like uh, the only musical that I love, and it's really just music that I already love. Anyway, I, okay, yeah. categories. Well, I was just going to say, okay. I. Uh, I don't know if we've talked about this on the pod before, but I, you and I made plans to go see Mamma Mia 2 because it was the summer I was leaving. Matt was already mm-hmm. in Europe, um, but I was still in Chicago for a little bit longer. And I watched the first Mamma Mia because I had never seen it like a couple days before we were going to see the movie. And I was like, oh God, I did not care for this. I'm so sorry, Tierney. <laughs> but then we went to the second one and we had a, we had a blast. So, you know, it's all good. It's a Were they drunker movie. filming the second one, do you think? They had to have been. They had to have been. Anyway. It's way less uh, Meryl, though, so it's shocking that the second one would be better. I'm not saying the second one was better. I just had more fun at the second one. And I think it was probably Fair. because I was watching it with Tyranny as opposed to alone in the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> it is a communal watching movie, usually. Yeah, yeah. And you have to sing and dance as well it's required yeah we were we were hooting and hollering in the davis theater that that random day in july 2018 so (laughs) (laughs) uh all right categories tattoo ideas as i mentioned i mean the obvious answer is on top giant pink fucking bus with a massive high-heeled shoe on the top and somebody with like a long flowing fucking whatever veil scarf <laughs> but also imagine if the scarf wrapped around your body yeah if it like if you got the chest tattoo of the bus and then the scarf went around i mean that's around around. that scarf is so fucking long in the movie it's trailing forever that's why it took him so long to drive because that thing was giving him <laughs> it was like an anchor wind just like every once yeah. in a while would like get caught Resistance. on a rock and they'd be like oh shit yeah. <laughs> gotta unravel the veil um or you could also get the flip-flop dress. Yeah, flip-flop dress. Yeah. So What's that from? <laughs> the iconic JK. flip-flop dress. So that's what I do. It's the it's the giant pink bus and then a person wearing the flip-flop dress on top of it with a giant 
train. Mm-hmm. Smart. <laughs> Love this idea. Uh, would you guys spend time on this film set? Yes. Hell yeah. Uh, as discussed... Colin doesn't like the heat. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I, I, like, would I spend time hanging out with these people? Absolutely. Without a doubt. Sign me the fuck up. Would I spend time in the outback of Australia filming this movie? I don't think so. Okay, that's <laughs> I fair. I don't think I can hang. <laughs> like, it's just, I'm not meant to live in those climates. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a if no for me, dog. If winter, it wouldn't be bad. <laughs> yeah, I don't know I when. I wonder if that's when they film this. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't have any information on Wikipedia. Uh, I mean, they'd probably die filming in the desert if they were just like, also true. there for yeah. weeks. Oh, shit. Apparently, the producers wanted Colin Firth to play the Hugo Weaving role. Oh. <laughs> My jaw it. could not be, I could not <laughs> be more agape. I think Tyranny's jaw literally just broke <laughs> off and is on the ground right now. <laughs> Why does everyone cast Colin Firth as a gay person? That's my question. When else is he cast as a gay person? In the uh, um, Serious Man? The Coen Brothers joint. Oh, right. <laughs> I hate you both. And also Supernova, and also, oh, right. I think, Brideshead Revisited. <laughs> or not Brideshead Revisited. Uh, the one with uh, Oscar Wilde. Uh, it's like the Prince of something. I don't, I don't know. Never saw it. All that was coming to my mind when I asked that question was him and Bridget Jones. And I was like, he's not gay in that. Or the King's No, speech. he is. That's what makes it so tough for Bridget Jones to get him. Really? Oh, he's gay in uh, Mamma Mia. I was say, isn't he gay in Mamma Mia? (laughs) Spoiler alert! Oh, come on, that came out in 2008. And they had to have somebody gay in that movie. Yeah. About ABBA. But again, you know what? He's great at playing He's a good good representation, I would say. I know, but he's not one of us. That's also true. (laughs) He should convert. <laughs> a little laugh. What other categories do we got? Uh, would you guys watch this movie on an airplane? Yeah. Fuck yeah. I'd absolutely watch this on an airplane. Yeah. I mean, in the honor, or like in the spirit of the exercise, there's nothing in this movie that would preclude me from wanting to watch this. But I don't know if this is just like the type of thing that I'm going to hang with on and an airplane. And it's a feel good movie, so I'm not going to be stressed. That is true. It's like, who's going to look at the screen? Mine's like, how stressed am I going to (laughs) be? Right. And it's like a bus instead of a plane. So you don't even get like, you're in a totally different mode of transportation for this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you're watching Dunkirk, stressful. Planes, no good. Boats. Watch Air Force One, problems. Uh, Air Force One rips though. I think I probably would. I mean, I love Air Force One. (laughs) I probably would watch Should we do Air Force One for this podcast? (laughs) I was thinking that we should have a conversation about what we want to do for the 100th episode, and maybe it is we do Air Force One. <laughs> Air Force 100. Oh my god. This is so dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what a waste of a 100th yeah, Very episode. undeserving of the 100th spot. But... Air Force 100. <laughs> Air Force 100, baby. And uh, the intro what... music should just be Nelly. Yeah, obviously. Um, I'm walking in my Air Force One. What character would you guys want to play in this movie? Ooh. <clears throat> this is a fun one. This one's a tough one. I think it would be really fun to play uh, Adam slash Felicia just because it, yeah. you'd just be pushing other people's buttons. And mostly just that scene of him and Tick 
laughing after the flashback would just be so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's tough to choose anyone outside of the bus because the bus has so much fun mm-hmm. uh, together. I'd play the bus. I'd play Priscilla. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad answer. Um, I think I'd probably... All the fun The first one that came inside. to mind was like... Yeah, my first idea was like Tick's wife, but like you don't get to really do as much. Yeah. So I'd probably land on Tick. I I that, I think I'd have fun playing Tick. I think Adam's the right answer. Adam just seems like he's yeah. here to hang, and that seems like a mm-hmm. good time. But um, Tick gets to wear the flip flop dress. That is true, Matt. That's true. The I dress that you don't. Yeah, really, yes, yeah. You get to figure out what the t- what the flip flop dress is, and then you get to wear it. I'm ashamed I wasn't paying that close of attention. Uh, the, or any attention. Yeah, it was like, I don't understand. Not at all, I guess. truly don't it's understand. Really we acknowledged it and was just like, sure. Were you getting popcorn at the time? No. I just wasn't <laughs> He's also paying seen it twice, the, Colin. That's I true. Know. This is my problem. It's <laughs> uh, okay. The Zoom link I sent you guys was, come on, ride the ride on the Dragic school bus. <laughs> <laughs> I did like that. I, I appreciate that. Uh, and then the only other category, I think, uh, is Oscars. Script. So it was only yeah. nominated for one. Oh, it was nominated? Yeah. I mean, think think about what this movie was nominated for. Costumes. Duh. Mm. <laughs> and it didn't win. And no, it fucking won. The flip, really? The nice. flip-flop dress won an Oscar, wow. man. How dare you? Academy <laughs> Award-winning flip-flop dress, and I wasn't even acknowledging it. I do think it's But really... you were focused on another part of the costumes, which is the wigs. Yeah. The, the wigs. I was focused on the wigs. Which Although, I didn't being, even fully... I had to Google earlier because I didn't remember because I was so Insane focused on wigs. the flip-flop dress. But are the, the wigs, wouldn't that fall under hair and makeup? Yeah, well, if one of them is plastic, that might be. That might be a costume choice. <laughs> that might be a costume. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I mean, it's not terribly surprising that this movie wasn't nominated for more. That This is also the year that... Uh, here's, our, here's our heavy hitters. Best Picture, Forrest Gump, Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, Shawshank Redemption, Four Weddings and a Funeral. This Which is we did. A, Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, this is a better year. story. <clears throat> Um, yeah so i guess that yeah that's tyranny's take we get four weddings out of the best screenplay and we throw yeah i agree priscilla i did not like four weddings in a few (laughs) i have no love for that movie yeah it definitely is an oscar like it wasn't oscar worthy i would say but yeah um while we're talking about oscars and while we're talking about the flip-flop dress uh Matt, I need you to go down to the Academy Museum and formally lodge a complaint that the museum is not complete until they have the flip-flop dress on display. I will be making a statement on that, for sure. I will be marching down there tomorrow. (laughs) I mean, I might be like, where's the flip-flop dress? They've got so many other costumes. Like, why not? We don't need need every droid from Star Wars. True. Throw in a flip-flop dress or two. We don't need that many Batman Returns things. Make some room. This is a big sacrifice coming from you. I'm acknowledging the things that I'd be willing to, to pass on. Because, like, Abe, the I was almost going to say Abe Sapien, but that's just a different Doug Jones character. But the Shape of Water Fishman costume. 
very cool. Couldn't get rid of that. Mm-hmm. But the flip-flop dress should go next to it to show what you can do with a large budget and what you can do with a very small budget. Counterpoint, mm-hmm. the flip-flop dress should be proudly displayed right next to the May Queen dress. Actually, you're right. From I was just thinking the same thing. Midsommar. And it's like, here are all the dresses that you can have in movies. <laughs> yeah, you one made have entirely a trillion of flowers, flowers. Or one made of flip-flops. Several flip-flops. Cheap-ass <laughs> flip-flops that we got at a fucking Target. <laughs> Which is also, like, not... I feel like that's another authentic aspect of this movie, is, like, oh, a yeah. drag queen would absolutely make a dress out of flip-flops. And that's, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, this is so funny. Uh, Too Long Fu, everyone's dressed like they're going to a wedding or a business meeting. And it's like, this is not what drag is. Related, uh, I did think that it was a really nice touch that they had a sewing machine on Priscilla. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> just like, yeah, we'll just be driving around in the outback, and if I need to sew up a new dress, I just sew up a new dress. <laughs> yeah. And every so often, they'll practice the routine. They'll, like, do a little routine. Yeah. And then that routine was for other shows. It wasn't even for the main one. Um, Bless. We did it, everybody. I think that's everything category-wise. Priscilla! Priscilla. I love Queen this Queen in the desert! Um, so what have you guys been up to lately? I can go first, because my list is very short. Uh, so I have is not, mine. <laughs> I have not watched any movies. Uh, I've mostly just been keeping up with my TV shows. Um, so, you know, you've got your Ted Lasso's, your Mandalorian's. I finished Daisy Jones and the Six. I thought it was, like, pretty charming. Like, not the greatest show I've ever That's watched, good. but I thought it was, like, entertaining enough. Uh, and then I listened to the album, and I was like, yeah, this isn't, like, 70s music, but I actually still dig it for what it is, not for what it's it attempting sure to be. is <laughs> But the For one a listener, I... <laughs> Daisy Jones and the Six has been appearing on, like, not recommended 70s playlists for me, but curated ones, like Legacy of Laurel Canyon, which is a staple oh. of 70s music. Yeah. And I'm rough. like, get this shit out. So I've just hit him. Every time I see one, I hide the song. That song will not make it onto my Spotify wrapped. Over oh my, my dead body. So yeah, <laughs> I enjoy the music for what it is, not necessarily for what it. it's for what it's wow. attempting to be. But uh, the I started watching the show Beef. I only watched one episode, so fuck yeah. The well, I'll talk more about Beef. Journey or the jury remains out on that one, but I really enjoyed that first episode, and I love Stephen Yun and hope yeah. that he's in everything forever and always and then the last thing i want to mention and i will not be spoiling it but i will just say that succession season four has been very 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 good and i and think the, three episodes in this third episode is maybe probably the best episode of the series and i could not love this show more and i'm so sad that it's ending but i'm also very very glad that it's ending on such a high note at least so far through the first okay. three episodes i agree with that <clears throat> assessment and i won't spoil anything either but what i will say is that i also said it was the best episode of the series for like several reasons yeah not just think... like the the obvious one if you've seen the episode that you think that we're right. talking about but like i i think like the filmmaking was incredible. I think the acting the was writing. incredible. I think the yes. writing was inc- like everything from top to bottom was like pitch perfect. It's the best they've ever done. And I, yeah, we had like a probably like an hour discussion after it was over, uh, Chris and I, just like kind of going through all these little things that uh, were like set up really 
beautifully or just like really sharp writing really like moments of just like precise succession writing Mm -hmm. uh they do everything at the top of their game in this last episode um and as a person who has been a long succession doubter of like what is all this for what are we doing with these characters i think this episode really uh made a point to show how important everything that's happened so far has been mm-hmm. uh, and it's great it's a it's a, a truly people were saying like it's one of the most remarkable episodes of hbo or television in general and then like ranked it among other episodes that uh were also kind of these like powerhouse definitive episodes of the series of a series yeah of any series uh, so if you're looking to get on board the succession train again, T, now's a good time. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, you want to go next, T? Uh, sure. I just finished Narco season three, and then I'm still reading White Noise. So that's my, I finished all of regular Narco, so I'm done with that. Um, Have you decided where you're going to, if you're going to jump into Narcos Mexico? I don't think I am at the moment because I'm still dreaming in Spanish. Um, so I think I got those breaks. I think I'll probably give it uh, a couple weeks, um, and then I'll just it'll be like a slow trickle. I was kind of eh on the end of it, and I think it's because I actually wrote it down. Oh yeah, it's a bit sensationalized versus what actually happened. Oh. And I'm like, I know it's a drama, not a documentary, but like, oh, come on now. Right. Um, it's probably exciting enough as it was in reality. And it's, yeah, but it's also just like, uh, it is, I should say it is, it's sensationalized drama, but the end is still very realistic on American foreign policy. Okay. Um, so I will, I will give him that, um. But I'm just like, I think I would like a wee break before going into Narcos, Mexico. 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 Um, Mexico. So I was just looking up beef there. I Every time I've gone onto Netflix, I've pretty much gone right into Narcos. So I actually didn't even know about it. But it looks good. <laughs> um, so maybe I'll watch that. I will start my list by saying I binged all of beef. Uh, in one day and it's great uh, I think the last time that a miniseries was this solid particularly on Netflix was probably Queen's Gambit uh, mm. but it feels as well executed uh, like just like entirely thought out uh, the premise is really simple but very strong they really like take it a lot of directions that you don't expect and yeah, I I shocked by how good it is. Uh, but I probably shouldn't be because the talent that's in it is so good. But like, yeah, Stephen Yun, fucking, he rushes this so good in the first episode, and he's so authentically like human. Yeah. There's like so many elements of his acting that I think in lesser actors' hands feels lazy or feels like. <clears throat> Like, oh, this is so close to self that it doesn't even feel like you're acting or trying very hard. You're just kind of having this, like, conversation, which sometimes drives me crazy, like mumblecore movies, where it's just like, fucking <laughs> add any sort of layer of performance to it. 
but he like really explores every emotion and really gets you to be like yeah this is exactly how i would probably react in the same way and ali wong excellent uh, she's I think always some of the other great stuff that it, and some of the other stuff that i've seen her in i haven't felt quite as warm no. uh to her performances okay. but i think other people are really big ali wong supporters and i'm willing to hop on that bandwagon now because she's so good in this it's mostly both of them her stand-up won me over and i have to see some of the that. funniest stuff i've ever seen damn i gotta watch it now i was also uh, just looking her up on wikipedia and she's uh like super smart she graduated summa cum laude and got a fulbright damn oh ally i know yeah she's great in this and her and steven yoon just get everything to do i saw a tweet that was like steven yoon is given like everything to do and he crushes all of it Mm -hmm. and it's true like he sings in this uh, he goes to dramatic highs. He goes to comedic highs. Uh, he's another, I think you should leave, veteran. So I have to support that. But, like, <laughs> I am... <laughs> uh, I forgot. I am... Yeah. He used too small a square for too big a mud pie. Uh, but I think the end of that <laughs> sketch is so perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good at that. And, like... And, like, I think the, the mm. skills that he has that made I Think You Should Leave so funny, even though he was playing the straight character in it, I think, like, he just has the acting chops to really uh, do exactly what this performance needs. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't speak highly enough about Beef. I've recommended it to other people. Because it was recommended highly to me by Chris and other people that had been watching it, and I was like, yeah, okay, I gotta watch this, and I crushed it. It was... I, like... Stopped at seven episodes and was like, okay, that's three more. Do I have it in me? And I do. The half hour. I love the fact that it's a 30 minute show. I was actually thinking not necessarily in terms of content, but just in terms of like a recent miniseries that's, you know, really easily bingeable, really well done across the board. And I was like, oh, yeah, the the bear. Um, Oh, I also haven't seen the bear. Oh, yeah, the, like, episodes of The Bear are, like, 30-ish minutes. Uh, yeah. And it's just, like, it's really, like, really digestible. Um, yeah. Which I think also helps with the Netflix binge model. Because, like, if they drop everything all at once and it's, like, 10 to 12 hour-long episodes, it's like, oh, Jesus Ooh. fucking Christ. Yeah, but Stranger I, Things <laughs> is, like, a whole weekend and then yeah. so. Um <laughs> But, yeah, even the half-an-hour model, the thing that it reminded me of... Uh, but like accomplished more than uh, than this show did was run. It feels oh. very similar to run in tone and stakes of kind of like oh no, oh no, oh no, oh my god, oh my but god, is good, but good, but good. <laughs> like has a trajectory that makes sense and uh, and feels like realistically what would happen uh, as this like feud kept like getting worse uh yeah identified with a lot of aspects of ali wong and steven yun's character as somebody who has screamed in the car before 
who has I think what you off. mean is you've driven in Chicago. Yeah, you've you've been a driver and, in Chicago and LA. And I've driven in LA. <laughs> yeah. So just two really miserable places to drive full of just terrible drivers with no sense of uh, skill. And Does uh, LA have quite the same level of road rage though? I thought that was Oh yeah, but people will be like, well, this is also set in LA. It's mm-hmm. like set in the valley. So it feels very appropriate for the level of stress that I've had. I screamed at somebody at an airport that was like, you got to move your car. And I was like, I'm picking up my roommate. And he's like, you got to move your car. And I was like, I'm not going to go around the whole thing again. And I and like by the end, he was like writing me a ticket and I slammed my trunk down. And I was like, really? So like I lost it. And that was felt very uh, honest <clears throat> to what this uh would be and this one is just like a parking lot situation which normally i'm pretty apologetic for i'm usually like oh oopsie sorry but like the road rage escalation i was like oh yeah absolutely that would happen here because people like cut off each other or hold their horn as they're like whipping around a turn i just saw somebody honk at somebody who hadn't moved during a green arrow and like it was an angry honk you can always tell when it's like hey Versus like, so I had a I had road rage driving in San Diego, but it it's because people in California don't know how to drive. Well, that's fair, but and so it's like me, Chicago person in San Diego, being like, "What the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you coming to a full stop at a green light? I will end your life." Yeah, I think I've had more road rage incidents in Chicago for sure. Yeah, I mean, um, I once flipped someone off, and then he got out of his car. And then his yeah. girlfriend pulled him back in. But I, mean, I had a moment time, where I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> one time we were in a McDonald's drive through and my mom was, like, waiting to enter the actual, like, kind of, like, lane. Mm-hmm. And somebody kind of whipped around and cut her off. And she was like, are you fucking kidding me? And as that person was ordering, my mom just held the horn down. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I love your mom so much. And then when the woman flipped my mom off, my mom flipped her off through the windshield, like pointing at her with the middle finger. It was incredible. Uh, and I was like a teenager, and I was like, I support this. This, this person needs to learn their lesson. Uh, but it was one of the best moves to like interrupt an order, a food. Oh, order. yeah. Genius. Uh, I also feel like skill. Chicago road rage is very much. Like someone has committed a wrong, and everybody <laughs> you see it happen, and you're like, yeah, they're the, the angry psycho person is in the they're in the right. Yeah. Versus yes. like I feel like in somewhere like California, everyone would be like, dude, just chill out, man. And it's like, <laughs> fucking learn how to drive. Yeah. In Chicago, they're like, do not see a turn signal. Like, yeah. Chicago driving is a league of its own. It's a game. And that's why it's, it's a video uh, game. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's why, like... And incredibly uh, efficient. <laughs> yeah. I have family in Phoenix, and they were always like, you don't get a lot of road rage incidents out here because everyone is open carry. And I was like, wow, what a nice way to curb road rage by having a threat of death in every car. And every post office has to be like, don't bring guns in here. Leave them in your car. And the people have to be like, oh, that probably makes sense. But it's like, what a fucking... Shit. Just scream at each other instead. Way more fun. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, anyway, watch Beef. Loved Beef. Uh, watch the newest Mando. Uh, it's certainly hearkening back to the prequels. And for that, I kind of respect it. 
And in many ways, I don't respect it at all. I didn't think it was a good episode. I thought it was very corny. And I thought the <laughs> acting was the worst that's ever been on the show. And there's some fucking bad episodes of Mandalorian. I, I love him. Lizzo. She's not an actress. Pedro, he, he pro- that was probably one of the days he had to stand in. He barely does anything. He literally ste- yeah. he steps aside in this episode, and you're like, yeah, this is barely your show anymore. Can we just talk about cares? how everybody was like, he showed up to this one premiere looking like Chicken Little, and then he literally <laughs> showed up to the Mandalorian premiere dressed like Chicken Little. <laughs> <laughs> what a champion. That's pretty funny. <laughs> like he's in bright yeah. yellow and has Chicken Little glasses. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I keep derailing your... No. Uh, but the... Uh, this episode was just, like, pretty... It felt like a prequel. It was, like, very colorful, very flamboyant, uh, very kid-friendly, and the script was, like, not trying very hard at all. And spoiler alert, at the end, out of nowhere, Lizzo just knights Grogu. And it's like, sure, yeah, whatever. This fucking burlap sack green <laughs> puppet did nothing well, and Lizzo he is did use, him. He did use the force to help her win her game of, like, space croquet, so... What the it's fuck are you guys... It's a crazy doing? episode. <laughs> well, what I will say is, and this is maybe my biggest problem, is that it starts to go towards a direction that I really liked, which is, like, talking about droid rights, which is something that our girl Phoebe Waller-Bridge as a robot also fought for, and the idea of, like, the droids having a community and their own like spaces and i was like oh i really like this that like yeah dive into like that robots have emotion basically setting up that the proletariat and the bourgeoisie are on this planet the bourgeoisie is jack black and lizzo and the proletariat is a bunch of robots and i really don't care to spoil this episode because it's so lackluster but like all the robots being like we would never hurt humans we love to work please let us continue working always and it's like what the fuck is the point just to show that the droids love working they don't deserve any rights i thought it was dumb but i liked the attempt i think it very much could have been better executed i did text Um, matt after i watched it and i was like i think this is the worst episode of the show it's awful it's so bad but also like everyone else is like fucking oh it's so dumb and i'm like yeah but also like you're acting like the show isn't usually pretty dumb I, like, yeah i did text it's uh, the power rangers a couple it's weeks ago rangers. i did text matt the mandalorian is mid now and he was like now <laughs> yeah what there have been like a handful mandalorian of good is episodes. Always mid. <laughs> the ahsoka episode great couldn't name another four off the top of my head that are as good um anyway watch mando watch beef uh, i saw john wick four but i don't remember if i said that already last time you didn't you, had, uh, you hadn't seen it well, yet I'm wearing my John Wick shirt right now. Hell yeah. Uh, and I thought, oh, I, I said all of that away from my microphone. I'm wearing my John Wick shirt now, in case you didn't hear that. Uh, I thought chapter four was was better than chapter three. Boo. I yep. also think it might be better than the original. Oh, and so fuck. My oh. personal ranking of John oh. Wick might be... Two, four, one, three. I have to rewatch three, but I really loved two in like a very substantial way. And I feel like the action pieces in that one don't go on for quite as long. But there's one action set piece in the hotel in Japan that Mm -hmm. like for a a minute, 
I would like blank. I like zoned out and was like, "Oh wait, we're still in this?" Because it just goes on and on, and on and on and on and on. Where you're what like, do you think I you're getting get when it. you go to a John Wick movie? I want more sequences. Thank you. I want them to like get to a different part of the hotel or fight with different shit uh, that's from the walls. And so like, I appreciated that room of boxes that they're in of just like glass. There's always like random rooms of light and glass that they go yep, through. And there's a club scene. There's they're they're all yeah. systematic. That's where I'm like, I don't know what you guys think you're getting. You're gonna get the no, same thing but in a different package. Yeah, but I no, that's I what I think the package to me was not enjoyable because nothing yeah. about this one was unique. And I thought like all like oh, several so several things were unique in all of like the third movie starts and there's that, like, awesome knife-throwing scene in, like, that weird, yeah. like, library or whatever. There's, like, the attack dogs. Like, all of that stuff is cool and different. But every single, like, fight sequence in this, while still, like, the best choreographed fight sequence that... What about the stairs? What about... The stairs was fun. Also, I've been on the stairs. New. I was like, oh. oh, I took a shit in that restaurant that's right <laughs> off the stairs. Oh, my God, Matt. This is a public it's true. forum. Well, I had to go really bad, and there were no public restrooms around soccer court. Okay, why are we still talking about this? (laughs) I have to go. I saw the same Uh, door that I walked through. After I watched three, I I know that I said that I think that one is the best for the plot, and you guys both gave me shit because you were like, (laughs) you don't go to John Wick for the plot. And so I was like, they're right. And so I went to this one being like, Mm. it's not about the plot. And so one is still my number one. But I'm like, this was pretty fucking fun. <laughs> it's the opposite end of the spectrum for sure. It's like as big as you could go. Here, uh, it's it's we've been recording far too long. Okay, I don't sorry. have time to get into. It. No, no, no. I'm just like, we don't up. have time to get into it. Uh, John Wick Chapter Four is mid. Wow. Period. Maybe you're mid. <laughs> you know what? All I have to say is that you're mid, and I'm finished.